Hi, I'm back in your earbuds to start 2018 off right. And as promised, for season two, we are opening up our conference vaults. The first session we're going to share is my most popular one, the three keys to teaching science. And today, we're going to kick that off with chatting about the basics of hands-on science. Hi, I'm Paige Hudson, and you are listening to the Tips for Homeschool Science Show, where we're breaking down the lofty concepts of science into building blocks you can use in your homeschool. We will be breaking up this session into three easily digested episodes, one for each key, which we'll be sharing over the rest of this month. But we'll keep everything for these episodes in one place, which will be at elementalscience.com slash blogs with an S slash podcast slash the number three dash keys. You'll find takeaway tidbits, additional articles to explore, plus the full video when we're all done with the series. As we release each of the podcast episodes, we'll add them to this page as well. Well, with that housekeeping out of the way, let's join in on the Three Keys to Teaching Science session. Well, welcome. Thank you guys for coming to the Three Keys to Teaching Science session. I want to ask you, how many of you believe that science is an important subject for you to teach in your homeschool? (laughs) Great. It looks like we all agree on this. So let's see. How many of you feel that you struggle with knowing what and how to teach science? And again, I see we almost all agree. I have good news for you. Today, we're going to break down those perceived complexities of teaching science into three essential keys. My name is Paige Hudson, and I've authored more than 20 books to help moms like you teach science in their homes. But more than that, I've been in the trenches of home education with you for more than 12 years. So I didn't always love science. I know that might come as a shock to you, but the story of how I acquired my love for science comes from a little thing called a gummy bear. (laughs) So I was heading into high school chemistry with much fear and trepidation. We had been warned by all the upperclassmen that this was the hardest class we would take. And to be honest with you, the first day I arrived more than a little afraid of what was going to happen. There were two entrances to the classroom, the front and the back, and our teacher walked into the back of the classroom. Within a few moments of hearing her arrive into the room, she turned the lights out. And you can imagine my fear level went from just a little bit to through the roof. What in the world was going to happen now? All of a sudden we heard a whoosh of a Bunsen burner lighting in the back. Our heads all swiveled and we saw a purple glow coming from the back of the room. And the next thing we knew, whoom, the purple light took off towards the front of the room. Our teacher walked over, flipped the lights on, and said, that was chemistry. (laughs) Well, at that point, I was hooked. She went on to lecture about the principles of the reaction that we just saw and had us take notes as we went on. That day, my chemistry teacher used those three keys to inspire me to fall in love with science. And I went on to get a degree in biochemistry. And now I write programs to teach science, all because of that little gummy bear experiment. So what are the three keys? 
Well, first of all, we have performing some kind of hands-on scientific test. So I like to say that experiments are the flesh of science. These can be actual experiments. They can be scientific demonstrations. You can do nature study, but anything that we do to bring science face-to-face -face with our students. I like to say that doing science without hands-on activities is like a blind man going to see a movie. It'll sound great, but the honest truth is he won't have a full picture of what the movie is. And that's like doing science without any kind of hands-on. The students will learn scientific information, but they won't really have a full picture of what science is. So our second key is gathering information. Science is a marriage of facts and applications. So we need to teach those facts through things like encyclopedias, living books, videos, textbooks. As homeschoolers, we have lots of options to present the information of science. Remember that science is both a content and a context subject. So we need to give them the information from somewhere and we need to help them see science at work. So those are our first two keys. Our third key is keeping a record. We need to have our students interact with that information because they're far more likely to remember what they've learned if they write it down. So studies have shown that if we write it down, we're more likely to remember it. So that's why we have this third key to help our students uh, remember what they've seen and what they've heard. So what do those three keys look like? Let's say we're studying rain. Well, first we can do an experiment where we make it rain in a glass. So you fill the glass part way with warm water, then you put a little shaving cream cloud on top of it, uh, drip a little bit of food coloring rain into that, and the food coloring will actually drop through the shaving cream and down into the glass, just like it's looking like it's raining. So we have some kind of demonstration for our students to see science face to face. Then we can read about rain, uh, whether we're doing that in an encyclopedia or in a book, we'll give them information about what rain is. That's our second key. And we'll write down either a mini book in a lap book or a notebooking page on weather. And that's our third key. And that's how simple your week with science can be when you're using these three keys. So now that we understand what the three keys are, let's go ahead and dig a little deeper into hands-on scientific tests. Remember, these hands-on scientific tests are opportunities for our students to see science in action. So we're not just talking about currents. We're actually using food coloring in hot water to see how currents work, okay? So why do you need hands-on in the first place? I know a lot of people struggle uh, with experiments and the hands-on aspect of science, so do we even need to bother with doing hands-on? Well, first of all, hands-on science reinforces the concepts. So this gives our students practical reinforcement. It helps them to see the principles of science at work. So I can read to my students about ions and metal plating. And to be honest with you, a lot of that information is going to go over their heads. Or I can take a glass of lemon juice, put a few pennies in there, let it sit for a couple hours, take the pennies out, and then I can put a nail in there and let it sit for a couple more hours and then take the nail out and show them copper plating. Well, I can show them the change of the nail and how the copper ions have actually adhered to the nail and how it looks different. And when I show them this, I give them a visual reference in their minds. So when we read about the principles that were at work in the experiment we just did. They'll have a visual reference in their minds to help reinforce the concepts that we're sharing. 
So the second reason that we want to do some kind of hands-on scientific tests in our homeschool is because, again, it gives a chance for our students to see science face-to-face. So for instance, I can teach them about biological symbiosis, or we can go outside in nature and find some lichens. We can talk about how a lichen is an example of a biological partnership as we're learning about the facts and principles, and they can see how this works together in nature. So it gives them a chance to see science face-to-face. And then third, it teaches our students that science is so much more than just boring facts and figures. If all we do is teach our students facts and calculations and figures, honestly, science will be boring. So we could calculate the change in heat and its effect and how that's going to cause a hot air balloon to rise. Or we could go to a hot air balloon show and our students can see how hot air rises to see it in action, to see how it works. And even though we do need to present them with the facts and the figures and the calculations and all these things as part of science, to give them that visual reference again, to give them that experience with science beforehand helps the facts and figures seem a lot less boring. And the fourth reason we want to do some kind of hands-on is it fosters creativity. I know we don't regularly think of art when it comes to science, but the truth is that playing with science can foster creativity. Our students can feel a little bit like a mad scientist as they're doing chromatography. Uh, They can draw uh, you know, a des- they can draw a design on a coffee filter or a t-shirt and then drip some rubbing alcohol on it and watch it spread out. And they'll create a beautiful piece of art. At the same time, they'll learn a little bit about chromatography and science. So we need to do some kind of hands-on because it helps reinforce the concepts. It presents science face-to-face. It shows that science is more than facts and figures, and it fosters our students' creativity. So as homeschoolers, we have lots of options. We don't have to necessarily follow a set dictated uh, method. So what types of hands-on scientific tests are at our disposal? Well, first of all, we have demonstrations scientific demonstrations. These are parent-led. So in other words, you're going to be the one doing most of the action, doing most of the work for the demonstration while your students are observing. There's a classic demonstration called elephant toothpaste. I love to do this with my preschoolers when we talk about the letter E. Basically, you mix a little bit of hydrogen peroxide and some dish soap in one container and in another one you mix a little bit of water and yeast and then you add that into the water bottle that has the hydrogen peroxide and dish soap and the yeast acts as a catalyst and the reaction spills bubbles up and over and out of the water bottle and we can use that as toothpaste for our little elephants. So the kids love to watch something like that. And we may, you know, share a little bit about how the yeast speeds up the reaction that's already happening. And the dish soap helps us to capture those bubbles and see uh, it come up and out of there. But basically, these kids are watching something. They're watching science and seeing that science is cool. So the second type of hands-on scientific test we can do is a more formal experiment. So these, your student is going to be doing while you, as a parent, are going to mentor them through. And this is going to follow the process of the scientific method. 
which is just a method of asking a question and finding the answer. So a scientist will ask a question, they'll do a little research, they'll formulate a hypothesis, they'll test that hypothesis, they'll analyze their results and observations, and they'll draw a conclusion. So a classic uh, experiment you could do with your students is measuring the speed of light with a chocolate bar. Basically, you'll take the spinning plate out of the microwave, you'll put in a chocolate bar, and you'll melt it at 30 second increments until you can see two spots. And that's the wave, the microwave coming in and going out. Those are the nodes. You'll measure that, and then you can use those calculations uh, to find the speed of light, or very close to the speed of light. So that would be an example of an experiment. The third thing we can use as homeschoolers is a nature study. And basically, nature study is finding science in nature. So you're looking for those principles of science in nature. And you can do this in an impromptu way. In other words, when you see something, you can study it, or you can do it as a Friday fun day, a scheduled day uh, throughout your week. And then the last thing we can use is the science fair project. This is something we should do once a year, once our kids reach uh, middle school years. And this is a chance for them to use the scientific method from start to finish. And then if you have a kid who's a little bit of a digital nut, you can use things like YouTube or pet or late night labs, uh, some kind of online lab. So what do you use when? Well, during the preschool years, we like to do things like scientific demonstrations. So you'll be showing science to your students because at this point, they don't really have a lot of a grasp of the different principles in science. So you really, you need to be presenting science to them uh, through either nature study or scientific demonstrations. Your goal during these years is to introduce and ignite a passion for science. So as you move into the elementary years, you're still going to be using those demonstrations, but moving towards experiments as their knowledge base of science increases, and they'll be able to formulate a hypothesis. Remember, a hypothesis is an educated guess. So in other words, they need to have a knowledge bank to draw from to be able to formulate a hypothesis. Does that mean that they can't make a guess as you're doing demonstrations? By all means, let them guess away. Uh, but if you want to actually formulate a hypothesis, they need to have some kind of research or, or knowledge bank to draw from to make that. So we like to save those formal experiments for later on in the elementary years or for middle school or high school. You can keep using nature study during the elementary years. Basically, your goal during those years is to fill their knowledge banks. So as you move on to the middle school and high school years, these guys are becoming the captains of their educational ship. So they're going to be able to do experiments where they're leading and you are mentoring them through. They're going to be able to do those science fair projects. Uh, they're going to be able to use online labs and they'll also be able to do things like nature study, which is why nature study is great to do with the whole family. So how often should you do this? About once a week. I like to recommend you do some kind of hands-on science activity at least once a week uh, through your school year. <clears throat> so how do you succeed with experiments or how do you succeed with the hands-on aspect of science? Well, my number one tip is to have the materials on hand. So whether you gather those materials at regular intervals and have a science supply cabinet that you keep them in, 
or whether you purchase an experiment kit or even make your own. Having those materials on hand will make it so much easier to actually do the experiments each week uh, because if you do have the stuff on hand, you won't be tempted to skip that experiment because you don't have what you need. So the second tip I have is to plan ahead. So knowing what kind of hands-on activities you're going to do each week. And then if you are going to do some kind of demonstration, uh, make sure you read through the directions, the results, the explanation. Because if you understand where the um, demonstration or experiment is supposed to be going, it's much easier to guide your students through. The third tip I have is to follow the directions. I give this tip for myself as well because directions do not equal a recipe. If you're like me, when you get into the kitchen, a little more of this, a little more of that, you know, it doesn't really matter. You can change that recipe up. Well, in the lab, a little more of this, a little more of that could end up with the fire department showing up. So your directions are time tested and you need to actually follow what they say. My fourth and final tip for succeeding with the hands-on aspect of science is to discuss why and how. So talk with your students, discuss the explanation that you have for the experiment or demonstration. And if it didn't quite work uh, the way you wanted it to, discuss why it did or why it didn't work. Uh, did you skip something in the directions? Uh, were your materials outdated? I know one time we tried to uh, blow up a balloon with the yeast fermentation reaction and my yeast was so old it was dead. So it didn't work. And these are opportunities for us to discuss why it didn't work. And then you also want to discuss because you want to relate uh, the experiment to what you're going to study and help your students make those connections. In the beginning, you'll be spoon feeding that connection to your student, uh, but as they get older, you'll kind of guide or lead them through the process of making those connections. So that's a quick look at the first key of performing hands-on scientific tests. If you remember, our three keys are those performing hands-on scientific tests, gathering information, and keeping a record. So let's take a look at the second key. Well, I trust you now understand quite a bit more about hands-on science and how to add this first key to your homeschool. Next week, we'll listen in on the second part of this session where I share about the second key, which is gathering information. In the meantime, you'll want to check out several more tips and tools for hands-on science on the page for this session, which you can find at elementalscience.com slash blogs with an S slash podcast slash the number three dash keys. If you still have questions, you can leave a comment there or send your questions to podcast at elementalscience.com. If you've enjoyed this peek into our conference vaults, would you take a moment to leave a review for the Tips for Homeschool Science show? These reviews help others know that this show is worth listening to. Plus, it helps determine where to rank this podcast. I would really appreciate you taking the time to share your thoughts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week playing with science. Don't like the idea of creating your own homeschool science plan from scratch? I've got great news. We can help you. At ElementalScience.com, we offer several lines of science programs that include the three keys we just discussed, all laid out for you. Head on over to ElementalScience.com to learn more.